Morning, everybody. Glad to see you. Glad the sun is shining. It looks like it's going to be a beautiful day. Uh, so make sure you get outside, do something, go for a walk or a run or uh, a slow jog, whatever. Get out, enjoy the sun. Um, so I, a shameless plug. Uh, so next week when you vote on your favorite cereal, I, I just want to give you some information that, that we checked. So this is true. But out of those four cereals, Frosted Flakes is the, it's the most healthy. Okay. <laughs> So out of all those, now get this, get the, get, do the math for me. So out of the four cereals, Frosted Flakes has the least amount of sugar content until you add the exact same amount of milk to all four of them. And all of a sudden, Frosted Flakes has more sugar than them both put together. I don't know how that is, but uh, I don't know. I, it, it was uh, boggling my mind a little bit when I read that. But so if you guys want a healthy alternative, Frosted Flakes is the way to go. All right. So uh, we're going to start in a four-week series that we're going to be in, and, and uh, we're going to talk about partnership, and we're going to talk about how we need to do life together. I need you, and you need me, right? We need each other to do life together. You have never been called to do life by yourself. And if you feel that way, I'm sorry uh, that, that you feel that way, but we, we, we are called to do life together. We are called to be in a partnership, and we need to carry each other's burdens, and, and we need to celebrate with each other, and we need to grieve with each other. And on Friday night, I was watching my son's basketball game, and I've seen him play uh, quite a bit this year. And uh, um, his, the shirts they have, it says, sometimes you, sometimes me, always us. And I know it's for, for, for a teamwork mentality, but it's also for a church mentality. Sometimes it's you, sometimes it's me, but it needs to always be God. Amen? And that's what we need to do. Sometimes I can't carry myself. I need somebody else to carry me. Sometimes you are on your face crying, broken, and you need someone to pick you up. We need to believe and we need to have confidence that that is us. We need to partner and we need to do life together. Have you ever looked at some of the uh, famous uh, combinations of food uh, that, that you look back at and it kind of makes you think like, whoever thought of this is a genius, right? Pizza, whoever said, hey, let's put pepperoni on it and make it phenomenal, right? Whoever would have thought to put pepperoni on pizza? I, that's one of my favorites. What about this? Someone had a burger and they put cheese on it. They're my most favorite person in the world. Like, to put cheese on a burger. Who thought of that, right? Another one, and this is my favorite, chili and cornbread. Whoever thought of that is the smartest person that has ever lived. Now, I love cornbread, but it's got to be cake bread. Like, you put sugar in that cornbread. I know it's, a lot of people don't agree with that, but that's, I love it. I, I love chili and cornbread. But this one, I, I really want to know who thought of this. You have a glass of cold milk, which is good enough. And then you pour some chocolate syrup in it, and you stir it together. And you have a sweet treat. Have you guys ever thought of who made these partnerships, whoever, that, that they put these things together. How many of you guys have just sat down like, man, I wonder who did that, right? Well, have you ever wondered if God has called us to be a partner with each other? I'm telling you right now, that's where partnership comes from is that God is the one that made it. He has called us to be together. And I know a lot of times we, we, we don't partner with other people because they're not the same as us. Believe it or not, all my friends are super tall. 
The friend I grew up with all through uh, Ohio and Michigan, we, we were inseparable. And he was six, seven, and he made me look like an idiot when I stood beside him. <laughs> but even on top of the height difference, we did not have the same views. We did not have the same political views. We did not have the same views of how to raise our kids. We didn't even have the same views on, on, um, on some of the biblical uh, foundations. We didn't have the same views. But you know what? I needed him. He got me through things in my life that I couldn't have got through if I didn't have him. His son was diagnosed with leukemia at the age of six. And we were there. We might not have gotten along on everything. We might not have saw eye to eye on everything, but he needed us. And then two years later, we found out about my daughter's brain issues and we needed him. We are called to be partners together. Have you guys ever thought of who invented the ice cream cone? You probably thought of that on your way here to church this morning. And you're like, man, I really hope he addresses who made ice cream cones. Well, today's your lucky day. 1904, in the World's Fair in St. Louis, there was a man named Arnold, and Arnold made ice cream, and it was a particularly hot summer, so Arnold had all this ice cream, and he could not believe the amount of people that were coming to buy these bowls of ice cream. So he underestimated it, so he didn't buy enough bowls, so at the end of the day, the ice cream's starting to melt, and he's, to him, he's losing money, but he had nothing to put it in. Like, my imagination's like, he's, he's making people come with a, they're just their hand, and he's dumping it in. Well, while he was doing so good for himself, the guy in the booth beside him, his name was Ernest, was selling these waffle cones, but nobody would buy them. And so he came up with the idea, like, you know what? I don't want your ice cream to go to waste, and I don't want my waffle cones to go to waste. Let's put them together. And ever since... We have ice cream cones. So weird. I get it. But listen to me. We need to come together and help each other with their needs. Help each other with our shortcomings. Help each other with our pain, with our suffering. We need to come together and we need to help carry each other and do life together. I am so blessed. And I said this in first service and I mean it. I am so blessed that God has brought me here to do life with you guys. I really am. You guys know in my first eight months here that I've been through some stuff I could not have made it through if it wasn't for you. And that's what partnership is about. Sometimes it's you, sometimes it's me, but it needs to always be us and a common goal. And partnership, if you don't, if, if you didn't know, it's biblical. It's in the Bible. Philippians 1, 4 through 5, it says this. And all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. If you guys are new to Gateway and maybe you guys have been here for a while and you've heard this, this word, it's called membership. It's something we've, we've done in the past, but uh, in 2024, we're getting rid of the membership word. We're going to go to a new word that's called partnership. And what does that mean? That means, you know, membership, people feel that when they see a membership at a church, they, they feel it's a country club. That I, I, I'm getting, I, I'm, I'm doing this, so I, I deserve all this. Well, partnership means that we're going to come together. And when we see a need, it's me or you, but always us. And that's what we're going to come to. And, and this year is we're transitioning from membership to partnership because there is no confusion. 
Here at Gateway, we are not a social club or a country club. We are a church. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's what we need to believe. And that's what we need to, the way we need to act. And that's the way we need to treat people. We are not just for the select. We are here for everybody. We're here for the searching. We're here for the broken. We're here for everyone. This is a church. We're in this together. Now, we're going to talk about four different ways that we can partner in the next four weeks. Today, we're talking about gathering. That's how you can strengthen your partnership. Talk about growing next week, giving, and then we're going to talk about going. So gather, grow, give, and go. Dr. Seuss did not write that, I promise. <laughs> but so we're going to, today, we're going to talk about gathering, coming together. Let's be, let's do life together. Let's be a part of each other's lives. And there's a study that was conducted in August of last year. So it's, it's fresh, it's new. And it says that a third of Americans feel lonelier now than they ever have been before. A third of Americans believe that they're doing life by themselves. A third of Americans have fallen into a place where they feel like nobody cares about them. Y'all need to listen to this. If we are a church and we are a body of believers, we cannot let people fall out of the back door while we keep our focus on the front. We need to be there for the people that need something. Those people that are lonely, they have a void and they don't know how to fill it. We need to be the body of Christ and the, we need to help them fill that. There's a story that I've been seeing circulating on social media the past couple weeks. And um, if you've heard it before, act like you haven't. And, uh, um, but it's a great story. And so there's a man and he was in church with his family and his phone went off. And when his phone went off, you guys have had that happen in church before. Like you have had your phone the entire time, but then when it goes off, you're trying to shut it off, you can't find it. So his phone was going off and it took him a couple, a couple seconds, but a couple seconds, it feels like eternity when, you know, and he, he said, uh, the, the story goes, his wife was belittling him and yelling at him and, and saying how embarrassed she was. And after the service, the pastor came up and, and reprimanded him and, and told him that we have a no phone policy and, and just made him feel awful. And on his way out to the, to the car in the parking lot, he heard people talking about how disruptive his phone was in church. He was embarrassed. He was furious. And so he went home and that night with his embarrassment and his rage, he went to a bar. And when he went to a bar, he walked in and he was still shaking with anger. He was mad. And he sat down and he had the bartender pour him a drink. And he went to take his first drink and he was shaking so bad he dropped the drink. Glass went everywhere. Ice went everywhere. Uh, it, it was this huge scene, a big mess. And, and he was back in that place where he was embarrassed by what just happened. And he looked up and all of a sudden he sees somebody a janitor coming to clean up his mess. All of a sudden, he sees other people in the bar coming up, make sure he wasn't cut. Asks how his well-being was. Ask him, are you okay? And then the bartender gives him a free drink and says, you know what? Don't worry, we all make mistakes. That man was shown more forgiveness and compassion in a bar than he was a church.
That is not going to happen here. We need to be a place, a, a church that is we are warm, we are understanding, we are sensitive, but most importantly that we are present. There's a story that uh, I want to share with you and we're going to, it's in the Bible and uh, it's in Acts chapter 2 because we're going to talk today about there's power when God's people gather. So Peter just preached a sermon and when Peter preached a sermon, he, uh, it came on the tail end of Jesus uh, being persecuted, executed, and then resurrected. And so Peter, if you guys have never read his sermon, it's, pow- oh, well, it's powerful. And he just preached it. And then Luke writes, Acts 2, and we're starting verse 40. He says, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. He preached one sermon and 3,000 people came to know Jesus Christ. The church that day had a startup of 3,000 people. On that day, 3,000 people came and they, they continued to meet regularly after that. And then it continues on in Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another who had need. Forty-six. Powerful two words. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple's courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. There is power when God's people come together. There's hope when God's people gather together. And it says that the 3,000 people accepted Christ. And then what's it say? Because they came together, they added to their numbers daily. That is why it's important for us to partner and gather together to do life together because it says that he will add to the numbers daily of those who were being saved. So we're going to talk about the power that's in gathering. The first one is there is power in our common devotion to Jesus Christ. Peter convinced 3,000 people that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Savior, And that in their ignorance, they crucified him. But by God's power, he was resurrected, and now they had hope. And at the conclusion of Peter's sermon, all these people had a change of heart. They had a change of mind. They they, they had a change of who they would follow. And then after that, they knew that they had to come together because of their common devotion to Jesus Christ. This is where it starts. The word devotion. We need to be devoted to coming together in the name of Jesus Christ. Luke says in the scripture, he says, they came together because of the apostles' teaching. They came together because of the fellowship. They came together because of the breaking of their bread, the communion. They came together because of the prayer. I'm going to go on a little side road. Not really, but it kind of is. There is power in prayer. I heard something today that I am telling you that would not have happened without Jesus Christ. And it happened because someone prayed diligently for this for a long period of time. 
But they didn't pray by themselves. They prayed together as a body of believers. That's why I'm telling you, there is power when God's people come together. These, <clears throat> when we come together, I'm telling you, there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. When people are saying it together, praying it together, believing it together. We need each other. I need you. You need me. But most importantly, we have something that is in common. We all have this in common. And I hope you believe this. I need you, you need me, but most importantly, we all need Jesus. Every single one of us. We have all sinned. I have sinned, you have sinned. We need each other, but most importantly, man, we need, we need the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Amen. We do every day. So number one, there is power in our common commitment to Jesus. Our common gathering to Jesus. Number two is there is power in our common commitment to one another. And then Luke, we just read, it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. We call this fellowship. We love to get together. We love to hang out. We have a commitment to each other. But we're going to go a little deeper than just fellowship. We need to understand we have differences. I have different opinions than you do. You have different opinions than I do. But I am telling you, Jesus has brought together some of the most different people since day one, and he still can do that today. But, y'all, we are stubborn. If somebody doesn't look like me, somebody doesn't act like me, somebody doesn't talk like me, somebody doesn't look at the same things that I do in the same way, we don't want anything to do with them. But that's why there is power and commitment of being together. When we lived in Ohio, we attended a church, and it was a massive church, almost 3,000 people. They televised, not live stream, they televised the service. And there was one Sunday that we couldn't go. I think we had a, a sick kid. And, and so we were watching on TV, and, and uh, they had, I think, like 10 camera angles. It was crazy. And, and, and we were watching it, and halfway through the worship, you see a man. Walked up through the aisle. You could tell that he was, didn't have it all together. He had scraggly hair. He, you could tell that he had a, a long beard. And you could tell by his clothes that uh, uh, he actually had a rip in the shoulder. I mean, this man came not having it all together. And then he comes up and he sits in the front row. Yes, people do that. He came and he sat in the front row and, and the, the row behind him, there was, there was an entire row of people. And I remember I was watching the worship and he sat down and all of a sudden the whole row got up and moved a couple rows back. And I called Marcia and I said, hey, did you just see that? And she's like, yeah, what happened? I'm like, I don't know. So we went to church the next week and uh, friends of ours sat a couple rows behind them. And I said, what happened last week? This man came and sat down, and like five minutes later, y'all are leaving. And they're like, he stunk so bad. He stunk so bad that we had to get up and we had to move because we couldn't even concentrate on the message. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You're telling me this man came in wanting the church to embrace him and pull him close, and because of something that you don't agree with, you pushed him away? That man never came back to that church. If we are called, which we are, to have common commitment to each other, we need to accept. We need to accept that we are different. Some of us don't have it all together, believe it or not. 
I got up here for first service and I was two buttons off. It looked like that. The worst part is nobody told me. Nobody told me. I, I was so grateful to walk by a mirror in the bathroom. I don't have it together. I don't. Neither do you. And we need to understand that. And that's why our common commitment is we might not have it all together, but we need to have a common ground. And that common ground is we believe in the power of Jesus Christ. We need to believe in that. Now, when you look at the Bible and you look at, uh, there's a story and it happened in uh, Rome, happened in Rome in 64 AD. And there's a man and his name was Nero. And Nero was a ruler of Rome and he was trying to get rid of all the infection and all disease so he would start fires and to get rid of all this and so he saw it as an opportunity to blame the Christians that's what he did he didn't want people to know that he was the one setting these fires to get rid of the infection so he blamed Christians and because of the blame that he put on them they began to arrest and torture Christians in public in front of their families Some of the torture was downright cruel. They would throw them in a pit with wild animals and have the animals devour them. They would crucify some of them. They would put them in arenas with uh, with animals like you see in the movies. They would even burn people alive in front of their families. But do you know what got them through all that? They had people helping them. What got them through that heartache, that heartbreak, is other people. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help them up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. I am here to help. You are here to help. Gateway is here to help. If you fall, I will help you. Now, will I be there all the time? Will I I fall short? Absolutely. I'm not even going to lie about it. Will I fall short? Yes. I'm human. I make mistakes. But it says that when two are, that two are better than one, and when somebody falls, we help them up, and they will help you up. And that's the way that partnership works. 1 Peter 3.8, it says this, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you might inherit a blessing. 1 Peter 3.14, it says, Even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear these threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. What got them through that persecution, that sorrow, and that heartbreak was each other. There's so many passages in the Bible where the author uses each other. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Love one another, accept one another, instruct one another, live in peace with one another. That one's tough. A lot of us struggle with it. Encourage one another, serve one another, 
Be patient with one another. This one really makes people feel uncomfortable. Forgive one another. You guys notice they're getting tougher as the farther down we go. Submit to one another. Confess your sins to one another. And be kind and compassionate to one another. This theme is all throughout Scripture. It uses the word one another, each other. It tells us to, to, to carry each other's burdens. To, we need to instruct each other. We need to forgive one another. This theme would not be throughout Scripture if it wasn't important. Do you believe that? God tells us throughout Scripture that we cannot do this alone. I have been through things in my life. There's no way I could have got through it without somebody in my life. And you guys have experienced the same thing. You know there's something in your life. There's no way you could have got through it without the help of somebody else. But you know where we struggle? We really struggle asking for help. But a step farther, a lot of times we really struggle with accepting help. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. 1 John 3.11 says, For this is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. 1 John 4.7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. 1 John 4.11 and 12. Dear, <clears throat> dear friends, since God so loved us, we also lo ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete. In us. And if you look at the tough trials that you have been through in your life, let's focus on the people that God placed in your life. God placed those people in your life because He knew you needed a little extra push. And if you do that, it says it's because we're loving one another. And if we love God, we must love other people. When my, my daughter was having the issue with her brain and we went to Boston and we pulled up to the hotel, which is right beside Boston Children's Hospital. They told us we'd be there for about a month, month and a half. And they were right. We're, we're there for about six weeks. And we pulled up and uh, it, when I tell you it was a bad travel day, it was a bad travel day. We got delayed in Charleston, believe it or not. We got delayed in Charlotte, believe it or not. We got delayed at every airport, every, every place that we went. We got delayed. And at this point, our daughter was exhausted. She was scared to death. She was terrified. And not to mention, her parents were a nervous wreck. And we showed up to the hotel, and this, the doorman walks out, and, and he goes to grab our luggage. And um, his name was Michael, and Michael's from Nigeria. He, he had really broken English, but we started communicating and talking. And he asked us, are you guys here for vacation? We said, no, we're not here for vacation. And we, we told him what was going on. And Michael just looked at us and he said, hey, are you believers? I said, we are. He's like, me too. He said, then you know you're not going through this by yourself. And we just looked at Michael. was like, Michael, that is the thing that we needed to hear the most today, that we're not going through this by ourselves. So the day of her surgery, we had to be there, I think, a quarter till four so we walked downstairs, and it was 3.30 in the morning. We walked down, and Michael was sitting in the lobby waiting for us. Michael's shift was over at 11 o'clock the night before. He sat there because he's like, remember I told you you're not going through this alone? And we said, yeah. He's like, I know your family's thousands of miles away. He said, I want to pray with you before you go. 
That man sat there getting, not getting paid because of the love of God that he felt that he had to share to somebody else. Are you that obedient? Has God put on your heart that you're supposed to share the love of God with somebody that's struggling? Are you being obedient with it? I'm telling you, there is power and commitment to each other. I need you. You need me. We need God. And the last one is there's power and our common compassion for the needy. Let's, I'm going to go a step farther. There is power and our common compassion for those that are hurting. We cannot deny that people that we sit by every day at work, maybe even at our dinner table, maybe in the bleachers at a sporting event, we cannot deny that we sit beside somebody that's hurting. We cannot deny that we're sitting by people that have needs and they just don't know how they're going to get those filled. We cannot ignore that there's people out there that are hanging on by a thread. But there is power and common compassion for those that are hurting and for the needy. Acts 2, earlier it tells us, it says that the believers sold property and possessions to give to one another who had nothing. That means those people loved other people in need so much that they gave up everything they had to those that had need. When we look at our common devotion to those people that are in need, it starts with one thing, and that is the love of God's people. Scripture tells us that we're supposed to be like God every day. We're supposed to, 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 to walk like him. We're supposed to do things the way that he does it. Well, in Scripture, it tells us many a times God loves his people. But why do we struggle with that part? Why do we struggle with loving God's people when we're supposed to be like him and God loves his people, but we struggle with it? And the biggest reason is we feel that our needs are greater than other people's. Proverbs 14, 21, it says, whoever is, in, is kind to the needy honors God. Proverbs 19, 17 says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. Back in December, we told you guys about all the, all the issues in Haiti, and we have a school there, and, and uh, there's, if, you, if you haven't followed the news, I mean, the violence there is out of control. Um, our people at the school, are, they're terrified. They're scared. So we asked you guys, you know, they, we want to send some supplies over there. We want to send them stuff that will help them out, and we asked for $6,000. You guys gave us eighteen. Thank you. It's not a number thing. That's a heart thing. You guys saw a need, and you filled it. You saw somebody that was struggling, that couldn't have done it on their own power, and you filled it. But not just that. You guys do such an amazing job with the things in our, in, in our area. I've, I see you guys helping needy families out all the time. I get phone calls multiple times a week. Hey, is somebody in need of something? You guys have the love of God and you want to share it with others by helping them when they're struggling. I've seen Facebook posts where you guys are looking for items for somebody that, that, that they're struggling. I love our maintenance guy, Mark, and um, hopefully he watches because usually we try to outdo each other with our jokes. But I am telling you, Mark, he has a story 
that'll hit you right here. We celebrated a couple uh, days ago when we had our all-staff meeting that Mark had been clean for years, and it was his anniversary. But you know what Mark's best quality is? You would not believe how well he goes out and he helps other people. He put something out the other day. He said, hey, I have a friend who just got out of rehab. They got their daughter back, and they're wanting to start all over. And Mark's like, we need to do something. There are needs out there. And there's people out there that are to the point, they're starting to understand that they cannot do it by themselves. So there is power in the common devotion to Jesus Christ. There's a power to the commitment that we have to others, but there's also power to the commitment that we have for those that are needy. Now, I know that we struggle with asking for help. You can't expect it if you don't ask, right? I know we're out there, we struggle to give other people help. But if you love the word and you love the word of God, then you'll see that we are called to do life together. I am grateful for the people that God has put in my life. I'm grateful for all the tall people that God has put in my life because nobody has messed with me. Not once. I've been to tons of sporting events and, and I have one short friend. He's like, can I go? I said, absolutely not. You're a weak link. Nope. <laughs> not happening. Give me all my tall guys, you know, and, 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 but I'm telling you today, we need each other. We need to understand, though, before we comprehend that we need each other, you guys need to understand this. You have fallen short of the glory of God, and so have I. We need each other, and like I said at the beginning, sometimes you, sometimes me, but always Jesus, Always. Heavenly Father, God, as we come to you today. God, I say it every week because I mean it. God, we are so grateful for your son, Jesus Christ. God, there is a need for God's people. He knew that there was sin. He knew that there was evil. He knew that there was darkness. And we know that you filled that void with your son, Jesus Christ. God, and I want to thank you for that. God, we have people in our life that we know God keeps on putting them in our path with their broken hearts, with their shortcomings, with their trials, with their heartaches. God, we know they keep coming in our path for a reason. God, my prayer today is that we're obedient, that we see the hurt, and God, that we can do what you have called us to do, and that's love one another. God, I want to strictly pray that if there is somebody out there that needs help, God, that they throw their pride to the ground, and Lord, they ask for it. God, I strictly pray for that person that they know somebody's on their hearts that God has put there that they are supposed to help, that there's somebody in our lives that they're falling flat on their face right now and we're supposed to help them get up but we keep on walking by.
And my prayer is that you give us the the competence and the compassion to help them up. We love you in your glorious name, amen. So in our response today, number one, if you do not know who Jesus Christ is, today could be the absolute best day of your life. Do you believe that? If you do not know who Jesus is, man, today could be a great day for you. I'll be down here. If you want to know who Jesus is, come up here. Come talk to me. We believe that Jesus Christ is the risen Savior. Amen. We believe that when you believe in him, things change. And, 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 and we believe in the power of baptism. We believe that Jesus is the risen Savior. I pray that you believe that too. But most importantly, I want you guys to pray over this this week. When I said that there's somebody in your path that's on their face, fallen, broken, beaten down, and you keep on walking by, you knew exactly who I was talking about. Because a lot of you got uncomfortable. We are called to do life together in the name of Jesus Christ. That person that's in front of you, you need to stop walking by for whatever excuse you make up. And you need to be the light that Jesus Christ is inside of you. Amen? Stop. Help them up. Be patient. Be kind. Be compassionate. But most importantly, be obedient to what God's trying to do in your life. Let's stand.